Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. I mean, we've taken time each fall just to talk about the importance of leaving behind a spiritual legacy. And, you know, we typically kick it off with Mission Sunday because, you know, leaving a legacy behind, missionaries do a lot of that in the nations they work in. And so it kind of starts with our Mission Sunday. But we, we talked a lot throughout the month of October each year, sometimes November about the importance of leaving behind a legacy. And we think of that term legacy, we oftentimes think of, you know, okay, money, right? Inheritance. What are you leaving me behind? Uh, or, or maybe in uh, broader terms, how will people remember you? You know, they ever thought about uh, that, you know, when, when the day comes and you're gone, what will folks say at your funeral? <laughs> what will they say about you? Maybe not. You're like, pastor, that's more, but I don't want to think about that. I, I think about it all the time. Like, it, <laughs> will, will, will this person show up? And what story will they tell? And what story do I not want them to tell? That's the other thing I, I think about. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a funeral in, in, in Buford. I shared here uh, that one of our overseers, Pastor Jamie Garner, had passed away from, a, from an unexpected heart attack. He was just here in June preaching. And, uh, and, and he'd, he'd been a mentor of mine since I was 12, a uh, former youth pastor of mine and, and an overseer at Radiant Church. And he was 56 years old, which is not that old, right? And uh, he passes away from the heart attack. So I'm, I'm there at the funeral. And... Uh, uh, man, I, I've, I've seen stuff kind of similar. I've preached a lot of funerals. I've seen something, but I've never seen the sheer numbers like this. Uh, man, there were a thousand people at this funeral. Uh, they, they, all the chairs were full of the auditorium. They had chairs upon chairs bringing into the auditorium trying to give more seating. There were folks standing on the walls. I was a pallbearer, so I followed the, the, the minister right on out when the service is over. And you open the door as you walk in the foyer. There's people in the foyer standing, trying to listen to what's happening in the service. The funeral director is in tears. The people who are the staff for the funeral home, they're in tears. I've never seen that before. And it was a testament to this guy's legacy, this pastor's importance, the difference that he made in the lives of people, not just in their community, but around the states, around really the region. I've never seen anything quite like it. I just kept thinking over and over and over this thought of, man, what a legacy. What a legacy this guy, this pastor, this leader, this friend, this mentor has left behind. Uh, the impact, man, that he's made. And that's what leaving a legacy is all about. It's about making a difference throughout multiple generations. But it also extends into eternity. And I just, I just got me thinking, man, like thinking in terms of legacy and, and, and this pastor and all the people he touched and all the people that he invested in. Who are you investing in right now? Right? Who are you investing in right now, man? Who are you pouring into today? Who's going to enter God's kingdom because you planted a seed of faith that helped lead a person to Christ? You know, Paul says one person plants, one person waters, one person gets to harvest. You know, most people on their journey to Christ, it's not one particular person from start to finish who helps them get there. It's a, it's a multitude of people who in different parts of their lives came in and out and they were held Helping that person on that journey. It was a word here, a prayer there, a season of friendship here. It helped get someone where they were supposed to go. Who are the people in your life right now that you're investing in? That you're sharing Christ with, that you're planting seeds and that you're watering? Who are those folks you're having an impact and influence on? 
When that person comes to know Jesus, you know what they do is they, they cause a ripple effect because they end up going out and they plant seeds and water seeds and they win folks for Christ. And all of a sudden, that one person that you reach has now reached four people, have reached, you know, 12 people, and that ripple effect goes on and on. I think you'll be surprised when you get into God's kingdom of the number of people who are present there because you had something to do with their, their salvation journey, even though you never met them. Because you were having an impact in the lives of others that they came across. You know, a lot of us who want to make a difference in this life, I think that's the number one thing. If you were to talk people about what they want to do, it's not about making money. It's not about, you know, having power. It's about what kind of difference they can make. Who can they impact? Who can, who can they influence? What kind of legacy can they leave behind for folks to remember them by? You want to make a difference. You know, in our world right now, no one wants to leave this life in a worse condition. We have families, we have, we have businesses maybe. We, we want to leave everything better off than how we found it, right? We all, we all want to do that. And so what do we do? Well, well we, we leave behind inheritances, right? An inheritance is a great financial legacy we leave behind to help folks. We leave behind strong ethics and morals that we embed into our kids or our grandkids, you know, that they can carry on, on, on with them. You know, and we, we, we do these things because we want to leave behind a strong legacy a lasting impact. And I think our purpose as believers, man, and, and really for us as a church as well, is to make an eternal difference. We want to impact people for God's kingdom. It's why, you know, our, our, our value here at Radiant Church, we have four steps. We think every person's spiritual journey should revolve around four steps. One, that you know God. You got to come to know God. That's the first and most important one. Know God. Two, find freedom. Three, make, discover your purpose so that what? That you can make a difference. That's number four. That you can make a difference in the lives of people around you. Now, the motivation for making a difference is, is, is not the same for a lot of people. It gets hijacked quite a bit. But the motivation for making a difference should always be having a lasting eternal impact that we can leave in the lives of folks around us. We talked about this last week with our missionaries right up here in this panel. You heard from them the stories, the things they shared about how they're making an impact and leaving a legacy in the nations that they're ministering in. And so all throughout this month in October, we're going to be talking about the importance of leaving behind a legacy that makes an impact for God's kingdom. We're going to talk about it through finances, through serving, through how we use our skill sets for sure. A whole bunch of different ways we can do that. And I will tell you, we're also going to look at the ultimate example in Christ. On the last Sunday of this month, August, or August, this is October, October 29th, the last Sunday, uh, you, you want to be here in person. It's not a Sunday you, you want to like, hey, I'm out of town that weekend or whatever, and I'll catch it online. You want to be in person for that Sunday. We're going to talk about the legacy that Christ left behind for us. But we're going to do it in a way that is not going to be captivated uh, quite, you, you don't want to watch it. You want to be in person for that experience. You're not, it's not going to be the same uh, if you're watching it online, you're going to want to be here in person as we walk through that legacy and experience some of that together uh, here in, in, in this teaching series. So make sure the last time in the month that you're definitely here for that legacy we talk about with Jesus. But we're going to be talking about legacy in a lot of different ways. And so what I'm going to do today, though, is I want to show you why making a difference is, is, is really so important and, and how we should be living our lives to maximize making a difference. I'm going, to, I'm going to go through a bunch of verses here today. Normally, I try to stick to like one or two main passages, but today I'm going to kind of take us to a lot of different places, starting with 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a letter 
Now the Apostle Paul writes, uh, there's a guy named Timothy who's in his early 40s, and he's pastoring the churches in Ephesus, and Paul has this letter that he writes to him. He actually writes two of them that we know of, and in 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. But that, that should ring true even today, right? He goes, their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they can experience true life. So the main motivation to making a difference comes down to one key word that Paul's alluding to here, and that, that's, that's heaven. Heaven's the word he's talking about here. Now, now, we're not going to spend most of our time on this earth. If you think about it, if eternity stretches on forever, then the amount of time you're spending here is very minuscule, right? It's very small. All of our eggs tend to go in this basket. All of our focus is right here in this present life. But really, eternity goes forever. So what we're doing here is actually not a whole lot. It's a really small sliver of what our lives are going to be like. Heaven kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. You know, you talk about heaven and, and, and sometimes you think, well, when we get there, what are we going to do? Because I mean, you're worshiping God all day. I mean, I, worshiping God's great, but man, is that all we're going to do? Just sing songs around the throne and that's what we're Well, no, heaven's going to, there's a lot that's going to happen in heaven. In fact, scripture talks about how, you know, the angels have different roles and purposes in the kingdom of God. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, he had a role and a purpose, a job to carry out. I believe we're going to have a purpose as well in God's kingdom. We're not just going to grow wings and get fat and sit on clouds all day and just kind of hang out. Like, that's not happening in heaven. That's, that's not what we're doing here. We're actually going to carry out purposes that God has for us in his kingdom. We're going to live in the glorious splendor of God forever. That's some pretty great stuff. Listen, your loved ones who've passed on, who knew the Lord and are gone, they would not trade heaven for your life right here. They wouldn't come back. They wouldn't do it. I know we're in spooky season and stuff, but I don't believe in ghosts. You know, we don't get to come back. Story of rich man and Lazarus. You know, Lazarus goes to separation from God forever in hell. Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, he, he, he's, in, he's in heaven. The rich man is separated from God forever in hell. And the rich man looks at, and says to Father Abraham, hey, can I go back and warn my brothers about what this, this terrible place is like? You know, can I go back and tell them they should put their trust in God? And, 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 and Abraham says, no, they can't do that. You know, you don't get to go back and warn people. So I, I'm, not, I'm not on the whole ghost train there, all right? But, but, but man, listen, heaven's going to be a fantastic place. And you're not going to want to come back once you get there. And it's dangerous for us to put all of our focus in light of that in this world and in this present reality that we're in right now. Years ago, there was this, uh, this I, I'm not, as you can tell, 100%. If you know me and you spent two minutes with me, I'm not a hip-hop connoisseur. It's just not my thing. So I may get this wrong. And for those of you, and this is your music and your jam, you can please correct me when I'm done after this morning, and I'm totally fine with that. I think it was Drake, though, who made this famous. But uh, there, there was this, years ago, there was this famous uh, hashtag, right, saying that was famous. I think Drake's the one that did it. Uh, it was called YOLO, right? Like, you only live once. 
And so if you're older than 45, you're like, what is YOLO? It's, 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 this, it's this carpe diem type twist, right? That you only get this one life to make a difference. Seize it now. Do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. Because once you're dead, the lights go out, bro. It's all over, right? Like, seize this life. And I, I thought about that for a little bit before this week. I'm like, you know what? I, it's not YOLO. It's, it's really like, you know, you only live twice. Not once, but actually twice. Now, that's not as catchy as YOLO. I get it. Like, hashtag YOLT will not go anywhere. Don't do that. Okay? Uh, but, but you only live twice. You know, if you live once, you can, you can live however you want to live and make all kinds of crazy excuses, but really you live twice. And here's why I say that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this. That God has planted in the human heart eternity. Eternity. There's been a few studies this week that have come out, well, the last couple of weeks that have come out, about how in America, uh, hey, more and more people are, are identifying as, hey, I'm spiritual, I believe something's out there, but man, I don't, I don't trust church. I don't trust any religious institution, which right now no one trusts anything. It kind of fits into the boat. But you see this increasing number of folks who are like, man, something's out there. I know there's a higher power. Something exists. I just don't know what it is. Now, what is that? It's agnosticism, where there's this belief that, man, there is a higher power, higher being. I just can't put my finger on it. Why is that? Because God has put in the human heart eternity. We know something exists beyond this life. We know someone is greater than us. We know there's someone who designed all this. We know that this didn't just happen by chance. Someone had to actually put some thought into how physics works and then, you know, I can go down the whole gamut, right? Like someone did that. The author of Hebrews says this, that each person is destined to die once and then we have to face judgment. But did you know there's two judgments that Christians face? Not one, but two. So you have what's called the Great White Throne Judgment. At the risk of getting too deep this morning, I'm just going to be brief with this. But the Great White Throne Judgment is, is the most important one, because your eternal fate's determined here. Every person will stand before God, and God's going to look at you. And, and He's going to go down His books, right? Revelation says the books were open, plural, books, okay? If you're someone who's a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, look, you stand before the Lord, He goes, hey, you're guilty, Sin is, is all over your life. It's rampant. You're guilty. Yeah, but I lived a great life. Did all kinds of wonderful things. I'm a good person. I'm like Mother Teresa is put to shame with how I lived, right? And God's going to say, I, I, that's great, but you're guilty. However, because you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're pardoned. It doesn't absolve you of your guilt. You're still guilty, but because Christ paid the price for you and took your place for you, you're pardoned, you're good. Come on. You know, that's, we're saved not by our works. We're saved because of what Christ did. Now, if you're someone who's not a believer and you stand before the Lord, you've not put your faith in Jesus, all you have to go on is your life. How you lived it. And your works, which we just talked about, are not good enough in God's, in God's standing. You can be a, a, as great of a person as you want to be, but for God, it's all going to come up short. And there's separation for eternity from the Lord if you've put all your faith in yourself and not in Christ. And most Christians know that, but few are aware of the second judgment that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, anyone who builds on that foundation, he's talking here about Jesus, okay? 
may use a variety of material, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. These are works. But on Judgment Day, and you know, he's, it's the Judgment Day he's referring to is right here, the Great White Throne Judgment. Uh, hey, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. So in other words, what God's going to do, hey, are you, are, are, how, how are you? Did, you, did you? did my son know you? Did you know him? Okay, yeah, okay, good. You're pardoned, you can come on in. Next judgment we're going to do right here, hey, let's look at your life and how you lived it. What did you do? And so the fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder receives a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So this judgment is known as the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't determine your eternal fate. That's already happened. All right. But it determines your eternal reward and what it will look like for you. So this, this passage, if you want to have a little fun, it also it's going to tell you that people will surprise you who make it. <laughs> your folks are going to be kind of like, I, I didn't know, I, I wasn't sure about you and where you're at, and you're going to make it. Maybe, barely, Paul says you're smelling smoke a little bit, you just got through, that's all right, you're still there, you know. You, you don't want to look at your spouse and say, hey, there's hope for you, don't do that this morning, that'd be terrible. Some of you got that, good. Listen, what God's going to do on that day, as your works are judged, he's going to look at you, and I think he's going to want to know, what did you do with the life you were given? What did you do with the gifts you were given? What did you do with the network you were given? What did you do with the wealth you were given? What did you do with, with the talent and skill set you were given? What did you do with the things that I blessed you with and gave you with? What did you do with that? And your eternal reward is determined based on that. Not your salvation, but your eternal reward. And Christ talks about this. Look at Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and will judge all people according to their deeds. So those who aren't Christians, <clears throat> they're judged by their works. It can't save them. We already talked about that. But believers are judged as well, and we're judged in terms of reward. So Christ will judge you on what you did for him as a follower of Jesus. Again, and I can't stress it enough, like works cannot save you, but the value of your works matter in terms of eternal reward, okay? So God is going to talk about this again. At the very end of the Bible, the last page, Revelation 22, 12, look, I'm coming soon, bring in my reward with me to repay all people according to their what? According to their deeds or their works. God has an expectation that you do something with your life. I think a lot of folks think, well, you know, I'll become a follower of Jesus and I can just kind of coast from here on out. No, there's an expectation from the Lord that, hey, you're going to do something. There's stuff for you to do. You've got purpose. As long as you're breathing oxygen, you've got, you got a purpose. As long as you've got a heartbeat, God's got a job for you. God's got things for you to do. God has an expectation for you to meet. Hey, there, there's something that you should be at work trying to expand the kingdom of God, ministering to people. You should be doing these types of things. So I want to share with you this morning a few principles to remember in this idea that you only live twice, okay? First, remember this, that you're just passing through this life. You're just passing through. We're visitors on earth, right? We're not supposed to occupy territory and settle down here. It's easy to get caught up in that, though. 
It's easy to get caught up on what's happening here and put all of our eggs in this basket. There's a challenge, though, for us to live for more. Philippians 3.18. Paul says, For I have told you often before, and I'll say it again with tears in my eyes. There are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think about only this life here on earth. Now look at that last line. He's, he's, he, I mean, okay, we get it. Gluttony, whatever. And then Paul's like, yeah, but all they think about is this life. Not the life to come. Just this one right here. Look what he says. We're citizens of heaven. Boy, that's, a, that's an important phrase. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. Now, Paul is reminding these Philippians, hey, it's important not to live for the present. I mean, you, you can't have your mind fixed on accumulating earthly wealth at the expense of expanding God's kingdom. You can't have your mind fixed on an election next year at the expense of expanding God's kingdom. You can't have your mind fixed on desires that satisfy you for the moment instead of desires that last for eternity. You have to be careful not to have your mind in the wrong place because you're so focused on this life and in this world. You say, well, pastor, those things matter and they're important. Well, listen, what about this? Let me ask you this question this morning. Do you believe in God or not? Right? Do you believe in God or not? Do you believe in God's promises or not? Are you a follower of Christ or a citizen of God's kingdom or not? Because what happens, and I observe this with everybody, and I observe myself too. I'll throw myself in the basket. I'm not perfect. But what I observe from a lot of us is this. We get so caught up, man, in all the things that are happening now. We get fearful and anxious about our wealth and, hey, will we have enough or not? You know, God promises he'll always give you what you need. The provision will be there. We get fearful about not having enough. And so we want more than enough. That's where our fear comes from. God's like, no, I got you. Food, shelter, I'll take care of you. Don't be afraid of having more than enough. I'll take care of the basic needs. And we're fearful about an election. Well, this guy gets in office, or that party takes power, this will happen, that'll happen. Listen, I, I am not an American first. I, I hate to break it to you. If you're a guy who's like God and country, you, you, you may not like me too much. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom first. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in Congress. I don't care what party comes to power. Listen, I don't belong here. And if I get filled up with so much junk and it's affecting how I treat people and how I live my life, my priorities mixed up. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom first. You got to start living this out, guys, with our finances, with our worldview, with how we treat people. We have to focus on the only legacy that's going to last, and that's the eternal legacy we can leave behind. That's what's going to make it. The other stuff won't make it. Someone can come in and take whatever you leave behind. You can leave 100 acres behind for your kids, and they can't afford the property taxes, so they sell all the acreage. You, you, you can leave stock options and wealth for your kids. You know what? The government can come in and just take it. You, know, you, you, you can do, you can do all, give me all the scenarios you want. 
legacies we leave here on earth. I'm not criticizing them, by the way. I think it's important to take care of your family. I'm, but my point is, if we focus on what we're leaving behind here, we're missing the eternal value. The only legacy which can't be taken away, which can't be removed, is that spiritual, eternal legacy that lives on. That has to be our primary focus. It has to. So the author of Hebrews, he has a fantastic chapter on what, what we call the heroes of faith, right? Men, men and women who have great faith. Hebrews 11, he says that they understood, verse number 13, they understood they were just passing through this life. That their destination, their real destination, was in eternity. Now listen to what he says next in verse 14. Obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Abraham had longed to go back to Ur, which is today Iraq. He'd have gone back, right? He'd, he'd have done that. But they're looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. This is the kingdom of God here. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. Man, people whose minds are focused on heaven are, are, are waiting for better eternal experiences. They know they're just passing through. They are not anchored and tethered to the things in this world. And can I just give you just one more warning before I move on? I've watched a lot of folks with the right intentions over the years who are so anchored to this stuff power, wealth, prestige, whatever it is, they're anchored to the things here and the metrics here and the awards here and what's here. You know, an anchor stops a ship from moving forward. It keeps a ship exactly where it's at. And if you anchor yourself to stuff in this world, it will prevent you from moving forward into the life that God has for you, into what God wants to do in and through you. The things that should be tools for you become what you have just based your entire life around, and you just can't let go of them. You gotta understand, man, you're just passing through. It's, it, I think this is the hardest point of all the things I'm talking about today. This is the hardest one for us to grasp and be consistent about and living out. Because we're dealing with the present all the time. We're not thinking about eternity. We just aren't. And I'm not, I'm not any better than you. I struggle with it too. But that, we are passing through. This is not our home, guys. And so you should know what? We should know too, then, that our time is short. Your, your time is short. It doesn't always seem short. You know, when you're younger, it certainly doesn't seem short. Uh, but James 4, 14 reminds us this. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know? You're in great health. Things are going well, you know, perfectly fine for you. How do you know? You don't have a clue, right? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then he says it's gone. That's, that's, that's our life. When I was a kid, I, I, I thought, man, anyone older is, is pretty much ancient, right? My oldest son is seven. And he thought, I turned 38 last month. I'm not always very good about <laughs> my age. I forget sometimes how old I am. And so I, he, he said, Dad, how old are you? I could not remember for life of me. That's terrible, but I couldn't. I'm 38, by the way. It's too young to probably forget that. I said, I, I don't know, man. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's like 37, 38. 
He goes, man, I thought you were 82. I'm like, oh, man. I hope, buddy, because I'll be the greatest looking 82-year-old out there, man, for sure. You know, it's funny. Like, I, we, we just think about those things. When I was in my 20s, I thought 60 was a lifetime away. Now that I'm 38, I'm like, man, 60 ain't so bad, all right? Like, yeah, 60 sounds pretty good. Time, they say when you have kids, like time flies. And I thought garbage. And then I had one. And I realized how quick it went. Then I had two. And I saw how time soared. And now I have three. And I can't keep up with time. It's, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it's wild how that happens. Our lives really are short. I think that's one of the reasons why Scripture references life like that. If you have a lot of something, what do you tend to do? You tend to squander it, right? But if you have a little bit of something, you, you, you're very careful about how you, how you use it and dispense it. And perhaps that's the blessing in God limiting our lives from, hey, a thousand years, whatever, to, to the small 85, 90, however many years it is we have. Because when you have a few, you're, you, you take that precious time and you spend it wisely. Right? That's, that's the goal anyway, is to take care of what you have and treasure what you have. In fact, Psalm 90.12 reminds us to do that. It says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and to help us to spend them as we should. Sometimes that means saying no to things that could help your career or help your advancement. Because you're like, you know what? I only got one life, and my family needs me right now. Sometimes it means we do those types of things. Because we've only got a little bit of time on this earth. And if your life is short, it means what? It means you have to seize opportunities, number three. Seize opportunities. And this life is, is, is a test for us. And you don't get more opportunities on the other side. You know, people, I've heard folks say, well, you know, I, I believe that everyone's going to get this chance. You get before the Lord one day and, okay, you believe in the wrong thing, no big deal. God, you know, your heart was right, so God let you in. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't think there's more opportunity. Bible does not teach me there's more opportunities once I get past this life. This is the only life I've got. It's too late once you leave. So look for opportunities to seize now because you may not get them back. I, I, I was in high school when 9-11 hit. I know 9-11 seems like a, a lifetime ago, and some of you guys in the room weren't even alive when 9-11 hit. But I, I was in high school at the time, and I, 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 the whole day, if you're, if you're old enough to remember, man, the whole day just froze, right? I mean, just nothing happened that day. And I remember being in one of my classes, and uh, there was a reporter on TV. They were talking about the towers being hit, and one tower had already fallen. And then you just hear, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And the, the other tower fell. And we were watching it on screen fall. And then it got out later, the stories of people who were trapped in these towers who knew there's no way out, I'm toast. So what were they doing? They were trying to find a working phone anywhere they could find it to call spouses, kids, and do what? Yeah, say I love you. But there were plenty who called and shared stories of, hey, I'm sorry that we didn't get to do this. And I'm sorry we didn't travel more. And I'm sorry that we... It was all these missed opportunities that came back. They realized we'll never get the chance to go back and do. Ephesians 5.16 says what? Make the most of every opportunity. 
for the days are, are evil. Yeah, the opportunity, that word, your New Testament was written in Greek, and that word opportunity does not refer to chronological time, you know, one, two, three, four, five. It refers to this. It's kairos, and kairos refers to a window. It's a window which opens and then closes. Think about your life for a moment. What windows are opening in your life right now? And you know it's an opportunity, and you're kind of on the fence about it. What windows are open? What windows are maybe closing in your life right now that have got your attention a little bit this morning? Man, seize those opportunities. Seize them. And don't miss the ones that have presented themselves in front of you. Everything we do matters. How we invest our time matters. How we spend our time matters. What we say and don't say and do and don't do, all that matters. And I got to tell you this morning, what I don't want to do, I don't want to stand before God one day and find out I didn't do enough. It's like, hey, if you just pushed a little bit harder here, I had this for you. Like, I don't don't want that. I want to make sure I'm maxing it out as much as I can for the Lord right now in this one chance that I got in this one life that I have. We talked earlier about how God will judge our lives as believers by testing our works, right? So what would we, what do, we do with the life we were given and the things that God gave us? You know, it, it, it's great to do charitable things, but in the process of the charity, were you giving people Jesus, you know? It, 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 and doing good things, if we're not giving folks Jesus, if he's not in the equation, I don't think our works survived that test. You know, I, I don't want to give to organizations that just feed and clothe people when disaster is set. I want to give to organizations who do those things and they give people Jesus. That's why we, we support Convoy of Hope at Radiant Church. I, I don't want to feed folks who are hungry. I want to feed folks who are hungry and minister and give them hope. That's why we support Our Daily Bread right here in Seneca who loves and feeds and ministers to folks who are struggling right now on the streets. We, we want to give people help. We also want to give them Jesus. Give him Jesus as well, right? Make sure that we're doing things of eternal value in all of the charitable works that we're doing. Just to kind of borrow a line, I can't take credit for it. But it's always stood out to me. There's there's a great documentary called Gladiator. I don't know if you've seen this or not. There's a great line in the film. And Maximus says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. I've never forgotten that. How true is that? That what you do in life, it has effects in eternity. It impacts. It echoes. Does it not? So those are three principles that guide us in how to live twice. But I want to give you some practical ways to, to live this out. I don't just want to give you information. Let's give you really quick, three, very quickly, three practical ways to live this out. Z, you can come on up and start playing, buddy. First, um, live your life looking up and not around. Keep your eyes fixed on heaven. Don't get enamored with everything in this world, with the house, the jobs, the vacations. God placed things here for us to enjoy, and I think we should never lose sight of that. Sometimes we feel guilty about stuff like that. Don't feel guilty. God wants you to enjoy things. But here's the thing. Don't fall in love with the things that God placed here for you to enjoy, right? Because if you fall in love with what's here on earth, it'll, it'll mess you up. It'll disappoint you. 
you don't want to stand before God one day and find out that you put a lot of effort into things that are temporary that won't make it. Two, give up something now so you can gain heaven later. So you can gain heaven later. You know, it's, that, that's just true for anything, right? I mean, you, you can't tell. I, I, I've got a nice, wonderful one pack right here. But at one time it was six. You know what I was doing when I had abs that were actually in shape before kids? I was doing sit-ups like crazy. And you kind of watch what you, what you eat too, right? You can't get a six-pack if, if you're eating ice cream and brownies all day, every night. You can't do that. You give up sweets, right? You put in hard work, and you get rewards later for what you're doing. And, and, and I think that's the same with our spirituality. You, you, man, you know, when you invest money in this life, you get rewards later. Well, Matthew 6 says, store up treasure in heaven, right? Store up treasure in heaven. Give up things now for reward later. Some of you guys, you're like, man... <laughs> I, I, I'm not as spiritual as this guy or that guy. I feel like they love Christ a lot more than I do. What can I do to get better? Well, well, how can I be more generous? What can I do to, to, to put more... Hey, to, to do those things, what you have to do is you have to love people. You want to be more generous? Start loving people more. Start loving God more. You know? You, you want to increase your prayer time and have a deeper prayer life and spend more time in prayer. You have to commit to doing things now to get rewards later. And wherever you put your life, attention, time, money, man, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, man, your heart is with it. Your heart's there. When you start living for eternity, man, eternity just becomes a part of you. And everything you do in this life, Christ somehow comes out in it, whether it's by actions or words. Three, intentionally make a difference. Intentionally make a difference. Make, make a difference does not just happen. You have to plan for it. You know, I, 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 I'm here today, man, because I had, I had parents and grandparents who intentionally taught me about Jesus, what it meant to live for Christ. I'm here because I had men like my pastor growing up, Pastor Ken Owen, who met with me on my days off in college to mentor me and teach me. I'm here because of guys like our overseer, Pastor Jamie, who just passed away. He drove to college down in Columbia, man, and, and met with me as a student and just kind of poured into me. I'm here because I had a cross-country coach named Delmer Howell, who was a tough little son of a gun, man, but he instilled hard work in us. We ran all the time. Snow, sleet, rain, 10 degrees, 100 degrees, didn't matter. We ran, but he instilled that in us. That's, that's why I'm here. There's the tenacity behind it. And I say all that because I'm not here by accident. You are not where you are by accident. Someone poured into you. Someone chipped in here. Someone chipped in there. Someone had a word here. You're where you're at because people were pouring into you, helping you get to where you are today. And it was all done intentionally. And my question for you is, who are you intentionally pouring into? What are you intentionally giving your time to? What are you intentionally giving generously to? Is it the things that are eternal and are going to last forever? Or is it to organizations and movements that are not going to last past this life? I, I tell you this, man. Don't talk about change until you start to bring the change yourself. 
A lot of folks talk about it. They don't want to do it. Start the change, and you can talk about it. Don't talk about being hopeful, right? Until you begin to make an intentional difference in somebody's life and bring hope to somebody who's hopeless. Make the decision to invest time and money and skills and heart into making a difference. Be intentional as one man was with 12 others so many years ago. He left a legacy that changed an entire world. Be intentional. You live twice. How are you living your life today? Is eternity at the forefront of your mind or is it this, this life in this world? Are you struggling, okay, to move past this present reality into having a kingdom mindset? Now, by the way, this is not a criticism if you're struggling because it's a hard thing to do. And, and I struggle with it myself. But man, what a difference it makes when you begin to intentionally live out your faith in Christ with eternity in mind. Father, we love you. And I thank you for those who are gathered here today. I thank you for those who are watching online. Lord, I pray that our hearts, man, they'd be filled with eternity. It's so easy to, to be focused on the here and now. It's so easy to be focused on this life and all the things that impact our life on this world and this present reality. But we are living for something so much more than the present and this life. We are living for eternity. <laughs> We're living for your kingdom. And all that we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our finances, how we leverage our networks, how we raise our families, how we conduct our business, in all that we do, may we have eternity in mind. May we look beyond just this life and look at your kingdom. May we take the time to invest in people and pour into them. Planting seeds of faith, watering seeds that somebody else planted, reaping a harvest of salvation that others have worked for. May all that we do be focused around your eternal kingdom. If you're here this morning, you need to say, Pastor, I, all this talk in eternity, if I'm honest with you right now, I don't feel like my eternal destination would lie with God's kingdom. Now let's fill this in my spirit before we get out of here. So let me just do this real quick. If that's you, you say, man, I, I just, I, I, I'm not sure where I would be. Before we leave, I want to I walk you through this prayer. I'm going to model it for you. You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to, to pray a prayer that's going to go just like this. We're going to invite Jesus to be our Savior and to be our Lord. And all it's going to sound is like this. Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sin. I haven't met your standards. I realize that on my own, I can't save me. 
all the works that I've done, all this, you know, no matter how I live my life, good, it's, it's not going to be enough. So I'm, I'm saying today that I just, I need you. Will you come into my life, into my heart? Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the wrong things that I've done. And will you save me? I want to make sure I'm at this kingdom of yours forever. Will you save me? I can't do it on my own. I need you. And starting today, I, I don't want to live for myself. I, I, I do want to live for you. I want to follow you. And I'm going to do all that I can to make sure that I live my life according to your standards with eternity in mind. So will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you be my Lord? And I will surrender over to you. My life, I'm, I'm putting in your hands. It belongs to you. Be my Savior and be my Lord. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in every heart and every life here at Radiant Church. Help us to live with eternity in mind. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.